Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gospel Forum Podcast. Can you believe this? Two weeks in a row, we are coming at you with new and fresh content. My name is Dan. I'm back with you with the same crew that we were last week. If you missed our episode last week on baptism, I encourage you to go check that out on our website or wherever you get your podcast. And also, you can check it out on our Facebook page on uh, the Gospel Forum there. So, you must we'll, not have anything to do, Dan, if we're able to do two in a row like this. Oh, I know, right? Or maybe we just never left the room the two <laughs> in a row. We didn't even change outfits. Oh, man, we're wearing the same oh, clothes. Geez. Yeah, we did two in a row. So, anyway, but uh, we're back at you. Still from Pilgrim's office without his permission, but Micah said it was okay. Oh, hi, Pilgrim. How are you? He doesn't watch this anyway. No way. <laughs> Not when you saw Mike on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, well, good. Well, guys, how you doing, man? It's uh, just saw you a couple minutes ago. <laughs> doing great. Yeah, that's I'm good. Glad we're getting back on track here. So, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I mean, by the time this second episode comes out, they may have I won. I hope the, we've clinched. They may have won the point. Stanley Cup already. I hope that didn't just you know jinx, jinx us there. I don't believe in jinxes. No. But, you know, a God providence. Juice. There you go. Um, providence. Is that a thing? <laughs> but, yeah, at this point, yeah. you won't see me next week if the Bolts win, because I'm just going to be celebrating so much back-to-back. <laughs> uh, but we'll just we'll hold out and see. Game tonight. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well. My prediction, 3-2, Lightning. 3-2, That's two for lightning. game two. You know, I'm just going to watch this back and see how close I was. Hmm. Well, best, best, good best luck, guys. Wishes to you. Man. Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway, you guys who don't care anything about hockey at all, I see how it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get right into our content today, shall we? Let's go right to it. Last week we talked about uh, baptism, which is one of the ordinances of the local church. Today we're going to talk about the second one, which is the Lord's Supper, or also known as communion. And so. Let's just start with the basics, guys, and I think we go straight to God's Word when we talk about anything, but particularly in this topic, where does the doctrine of the Lord's Supper come from? Right, well, since we have the two ordinances, two two commands that we are to participate in as a church, as believers, uh, we see uh, this instituted by Jesus himself in the Gospels. Uh, Specifically, I have here the book of Matthew chapter 26 and of course we know that Jesus and the disciples are in the upper room they are celebrating the Passover but this is a pivotal historical moment where everything from now on is going to be changed and Jesus is going to institute the new covenant and so in verse 26 it says now as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins and then he goes on to say I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom and then as a pastor of our church who leads the singing I love this part and when they had sung a hymn they went out to the Mount of Olives I love that yeah amen amen so here's Jesus on the night he's betrayed and arrested observing the Passover with his disciples 
Um, so he's observing the Passover, but he's also bringing significance to that event, Old Testament event mm-hmm. that the Jews had celebrated for many, many years. And of course, was the remembrance of the Passover lamb that God provided um, by its blood to redeem his people out of slavery from Egypt by the blood of a lamb. And so here Christ is our Passover lamb, amen? Yes. And so this, Jesus is really tying the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take and eat, right? And remember. And um, do this as often as you drink it. Is that what he says there? Well, not in oh, this Oh, Paul one. says that the, in First yeah, Corinthians. Yeah, he says, drink of it, all of you. Drink yeah. it, all of you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so really the significance there is that the Lord commanded or instructed the disciples to do this. Right. And, that, and they did this after, after the Lord was ascended and continued to remember him. Mm-hmm. Shane, anything to add there for that account? Yeah, I think just the, I loved how you tied it back into the Passover meal and mm-hmm. made those parallels. Because I think we, in a modern context, we don't really, we don't know a lot about the Passover meal. We don't understand that significance. But this is something that would have been just jaw-droppingly radical for Mm -hmm. the disciples in that upper room because for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years they would have done the same thing remembered the same way the same way that they had god had commanded that they were looking back uh to their exodus from egypt they were looking back and remembering um and in that meal, each of those different components were to symbolize mm-hmm. different parts of that struggle. And so for Jesus now to stand up and do what he's doing, again, they would there would have uh, just been mind blown. Uh, I don't know if that was a phrase back in uh, 32 uh, AD or whatever, but they would have. They would have known what to do. And so we look at this now like, oh, yeah, he held up the same thing I see my pastor do all the time. He held them some bread. He held up some wine. But this would have been revolutionary, and they're realizing something is changing. Yeah. Something is happening, and this is radically different. And yeah. uh, this idea of a new covenant is completely uh, new mm-hmm. for what we're going to experience as mm-hmm. followers of Jesus Christ. And really, what an amazing thing. All those years they observed the Passover, they had the shadows of, mm-hmm. of what was to come before yeah. them. And here the disciples on that night are not just looking at a shadow, they're looking at the substance of those shadows that has been portrayed all throughout time before. You know, all those meals before were all pointing towards Christ and what he would do. He is our Passover lamb. I mean, what a, what a moment. I, yeah. You know, I don't think they really, that none of that really clicked with them in that, in that moment. But as they reflected back, I believe, and once they had the Holy Spirit teach them and guide them into all truth, those things began to make sense. The Lord teaching them for 40 days after he is uh, resurrected, you know, tying all those things together, instructing them what to do. But really, that's foundational what we're talking about is we are remembering the death of the lord jesus what he endured mm-hmm. so the 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 passover lamb uh the throat was slit the blood came out uh the lamb was roasted and eaten and consumed by god's people mm-hmm. um for for nourishment for sustenance right. on the exodus journey yeah. right as they went out into the wilderness and so here the Lord is doing the same thing with them, but but bringing something different to it. 
and what he's bringing is the completion, the fulfillment of the, of all of those shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as his body would soon be broken and his blood would soon be poured out on the cross we see as you said those shadows and those types you know is another way to put it right the mm-hmm. type coming to fruition prophecies mm-hmm. fulfilled um, what an amazing what an amazing time and i think it's important that we in our uh when we partake of communion together uh on uh whenever you do it uh, every week once a month um, that we, from time to time, there's, of course, different aspects we can draw out, um, but I think it's important, like Shane called us back to, to go back, mm-hmm. consider the Passover, consider the parallels between the two, because there's, there's quite a few. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so in the Lord's Supper, we remember the broken body of the Lord, and we remember his blood, mm-hmm. right? So that's what symbolized, that's what Jesus symbolized there with the broken bread, the unleavened bread. That he broke and he gave to the disciples and of course the cup that contained um, the wine which symbolized the new covenant amen his blood so um what does paul say in first corinthians 11 there shane about just made me skip right over 10 i'll go to 11. <laughs> oh we'll go to 10 if you want i was just going to, to start with 10 just go for it um it's just reiterating this idea of the body and blood of Christ. Uh, and he says, Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And I think right there he uses this word participation. Yeah. And I think that's important. He says, Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So he really starts off by saying, we are not just remembering, and we'll probably get here in a second, we're not just remembering what Christ has done, but we are actually participating Mm -hmm. with Christ in this ordinance, in this act. Um, Because in a real way, we are participating in the death of Christ by dying with him Mm -hmm. and by daily carrying the cross uh, that uh, we carry as, as Christians. And we are also participating in the blood of Christ because we have been covered in Christ's blood, uh, constantly walking in a newness of life and a repentance uh, from our sins mm-hmm. to be cleansed. And so um, we, we don't just remember uh, in, a, in a kind of far off sense, well, yes, this is what Jesus said. We are actually participating with Christ when mm-hmm. we are taking the Lord's Supper. And then uh, Paul goes on to say, and he's giving instructions really on uh, how we're to approach this time. He says, uh, he reiterates what Christ's commands were. Um, and he, then he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And so in a real way, um, communion and uh, the Lord's Supper is not just for us in the moment. Um we are actually proclaiming to our brothers and sisters in Christ as a, to remind them that, in a way, we're, we're proclaiming the Lord's death. We're, we're pointing mm-hmm. us forward. We're giving ourselves hope mm-hmm. uh, that there will be a greater feast mm-hmm. that we're gathered together to celebrate. Um, and we're reminding, um, we're even proclaiming to those outside that yeah. what, what, I mean, in a way, this looks weird uh, and it should look weird. It should look different. Well, why are why are we holding up bread? Mm-hmm. Why are they taking wine? Or 
grape juice in some cases. Um, th what do, this doesn't make sense, but it shouldn't because what we're doing is really proclaiming Christ's death. And for those who don't understand that, it should look foreign. Um, mm -hmm. And that also gives us the opportunity to explain what it is that's happening and why we do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's an anticipation. There's the future, future part of it that we're, we're looking forward to, to once again be reunited with, uh, with Christ as his bride, as the Amen. church, right? Amen. Where, where he says, and he refers to in Matthew there, that he's not going to eat uh, and drink again until mm -hmm. the consummation, right? Yes. Yeah. Amen. And this is something that the church um, participated in. And we see this again in Acts chapter 2. Right away, uh, Luke writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The early church had a, had a common meal together. Yeah. And it, it's believed that at the end of that common meal that they participated in the Lord's Supper and in in, in remembering him as he has commanded. So, mm -hmm. so this is a command of the, of the local church, uh, observed by the apostles here and carried on throughout church history. Um, so just like baptism's a command for the believer, so is the Lord's Supper for the believer. So then, should non-Christians participate in the Lord's Supper? Well, I just got a comment because I, I love I love that uh, it's around a meal, and not just because I like to eat, but <laughs> because uh, we see the significance in that it both both in the early church and um, during the Passover when Jesus instituted, and that's something we've uh, we've lost uh, a mm -hmm. little bit, uh, and that most churches uh, do not do not participate in communion during uh, a meal at least not in my experience i know there's some that are yeah. and i actually was we were part of one for a while that did um, but that was new and, and right. kind of was like oh wow yeah this is, this is great yeah um and instead so, of just like a tack on to the right. service yeah so um so i love the idea and i'd like to do it with our church at some point is to is to have that fellowship meal together and partake with communion hmm. and the whole idea is to really draw this picture of mm -hmm of the body of Christ, one right. family. Yeah. I mean, it even says in, in uh, that passage in 1 Corinthians 10 that there's one loaf to remind us right. of one body. Right. And again, I don't think this is uh, necessarily in sin if you're not. But the idea was people were drawing from this one right. loaf. It was being broken, yep. and it was that that imagery. And again, just like being gathered together for a meal is this imagery pointing mm -hmm. us forward to yeah. one day I'm going to be sitting with these same like these same people, and instead of living in a sin-ridden world, I'm going to be risen to the heavenly places with Jesus Christ, and we're going to be gathered mm -hmm. together. Yeah, and I think it also speaks of our unity together, mm -hmm. that yeah. we all come to the table, no matter who we are, right? <laughs> right? No matter our skin color, socioeconomic status, our sin history, mm -hmm. doesn't yeah. matter who we are, we come to the same table in the same way with the same Christ and gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And what a picture of unity, that yeah. we are one in Christ, that we're one body, that we belong to uh, Christ who is our husband. So... Yeah, you want to talk about equality, you find it there at the Lord's table. That's yeah. right. Amen. Absolutely. And it, it's the gospel that yeah. that unifies us. Yeah. Uh, a lot could be said about that, but we won't go there today. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the question. So we talked, uh, um, is this 
for just believers or can anyone participate? Well, I think in, in everything that we're saying here and what we're reading is we're one body in Christ. We're participating in this uh, ordinance together um, in our union with Christ and with one another, then it would follow that, uh, no, this would not be a ceremony mm -hmm. uh, for unbelievers, those who are not part of Christ's body. Mm. Yeah. By the way, if you're hearing some background noise, uh, listeners, that is a good old-fashioned Florida thunderstorm uh, in June. So uh, <laughs> It may be done before the podcast it, is over. It might be, how... but if that's not static or background noise, that's Florida works. That's a thunderstorm there. But so yeah, so I guess I would say is if you know, one of the key components is do this in remembrance of him as Paul instruction in 1 Corinthians 11, mm -hmm. then how can an unbeliever remember a Christ who he has never believed in? Right. right. And mm -hmm. so and 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 if it is a sign of our unity in Christ, an unbeliever is not in Christ. Right. And so, again, this just like baptism is just for believers, so is the Lord's Supper yeah. uh, only for believers. The London Baptist Confession, 1689, says, All unbelieving and ungodly people are unfit to enjoy communion with Christ and are thus unworthy of the Lord's table. As long as they remain in this condition, they cannot partake of these holy mysteries or be admitted to the Lord's table without committing a great sin against Christ. All those who receive the supper unworthily are guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, eating and drinking judgment on themselves. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Those are some very, very sobering words uh, from the Apostle Paul. So let's just go there. So we know what it is, right? So we, uh, the Lord is instituted. It's a command. Like baptism, we are seeing the Word, uh, part of our regulative principle of worship, uh, regulated by the Word. We're seeing the Gospel. It's a picture of the Gospel. Um uh, the Christ body was broken and his blood was spilled for for us um, so how should a believer respond during communion like what how, how are we to behave or what are we to do are we to sit there and talk to our neighbor are we to daydream um, if we're to remember Christ what does that mean and what should we be doing in those moments what do you guys think mm, that's a good question uh, I think I think we first off have to come with a sense of reverence and awe uh, and this shouldn't be a, a casual casual thing it shouldn't be just tradition right well we're just we're just doing this because this is what we do every month uh, and we need to come to the table with a sense of humility a strong sense of humility I would say because we are hearkening back once again um, to what Christ has done um, how he has taken his sin, our sin, upon himself. We are not worthy to come to his table at all, and yet right. he has invited he has us to come mm. through his blood. He's and, made us worthy. Right. Yes. Um, and so that's why I believe there has to be a clear explanation from, from the pastors on what are we doing, why are we doing it, um, and to, uh, right, to not, to not jump into that uh, with there shouldn't be joking and uh, yeah conversation i mean that shouldn't be present i don't believe at all now in a sense we there is joy in this as well though yes. and with that that comes maybe towards towards the end a little bit more there is yeah. there is joy in it um, but that does not mean it should be a very kind of happy-go-lucky event right yeah. right yeah and i think I, I agree with you i think we should we sh we don't want to swing the pendulum too far and so we want to approach this time, I think, with this sincerity, this 
real humility of we are we are reflecting on what Christ has done. We are remembering uh, his gifts to us. We are uh, calling to mind and turning from the sins that we bring each week. Um, but I don't want us to stay there. And I think too often you can get real heavy-handed. People will, and, and, and rightly so, we want to understand that this is a serious thing. And, and what we're doing is really communing with Christ himself. But... We, we sometimes become so heavy on the, are you unworthy? Are you not, are you not uh, ready and prepared to receive the body and blood? That I think sometimes people become so inward focused, yeah. thinking about themselves, yeah. that we stop and we're not outward focused, realizing that Christ has done these things for us. And just like we had mentioned, it's a picture of our future. Mm-hmm. I would hate to think that that at the marriage supper of the lamb that a bunch of us are going to be looking down like so uh, so scared and so yeah. fearful that we're not worthy that we forget to look up and look around and that's what I always that's what I always say like and I love doing this like right before I take the bread and I take the cup I like to like look around at the church the people in the church and realize mm-hmm. like these are brothers and sisters in the same family and we're all doing this together. And one yeah. day I will see them again. And we will be singing songs and, and celebrating Christ together. Mm. And that's, I think, where the joy comes in. That's when we go, wow, like this is a tiny little yeah. glimpse in a, in, a, in a fallen, sin-ridden world that we're, we're going to do this. Yeah, I think it's, it's not that, because like Micah said earlier, we're all unworthy. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we we all sin every day. No one is coming to the table in a perfect manner because of the way they live their life. <laughs> I think what really Paul is trying to stress here, let no one partake in an unworthy manner. I think it's the manner there. Yes. It's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And the specific warnings there to the Corinthians is some were coming just to feed their stomachs. <laughs> you know, they were coming to this common meal yeah. selfishly. Right. And they and, and they weren't even waiting for one another. Right. They they were they were not even waiting for everyone to gather, so they had very selfish motives. Right. Uh, instead of being like you said, a corporate event with the body, it became very selfish and self-consuming. And I think another way that someone can do it unworthily, uh, but one if they're an unbeliever, number two, if they um, uh, if they're being selfish and greedy like the Corinthians were, and third that they're not examining themselves, mm-hmm. and so. Right. When we're examining ourselves, I, I take that to be, you know, uh, as, as we're pausing, as everyone is getting um, the bread and, and their cup, you know, we're pausing to remember and look at our life and see yes. what sins do I need to repent of? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what has crept in my life that I must confess right now? And this is not right. And, you know, um, not, that, not that I'm going to lose my salvation or anything like that, but... God's called me to a life of holiness, and so how am I, how, you know, how, how am I submitting myself to the lordship of Christ in obedience to His commands and forsaking that sin? Because I'm remembering Christ, who's died for those sins. So how can I continue in sin, right? Yeah. And then remember Christ without giving any regard to the sin that still lurks in my heart. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm just going to do that again today when I get home. I'm going to do that tomorrow, or I'm going to leave that alone. And so I think the unworthy manner is, in the moment, the attitude of the heart, um, and 
and making sure that you're remembering that Christ has forgiven you of those sins. Yes. So how dare you continue to live in sin any longer, yes. you know? Um, and he says that for this reason, some of you have died or have fallen asleep is what he says, which is... Uh, not, colloquialism. Yeah, yeah. Of, of, of dying. And this is, well, some of you have gotten sick and... I mean, wow, what a yeah. sobering thing. And so just as baptism is a very serious thing, yes. so is the Lord's Supper. It yes. should not be taken lightly whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So the church has had differing views on this, uh, to, to, just to put it mildly, uh, throughout, throughout the centuries. Um, even the reformers could not get along, uh, or not could, not, could not get agree on a consensus of what the Lord's Supper meant. So let's just start with... Uh, uh, the heretical position of the Roman Catholic Church. This one of you guys want to say what they believe about that. It's a view called transubstantiation, uh, and where they believe that uh, the elements, the bread and the wine, literally become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There's some magical voodoo there, and they get changed. And uh, there's also, they're re, actually re-sacrificing uh, Christ as well. They consider it a sacrifice. That, that's what and, the uh, Mass is all right, about. Right, yeah, yeah, that mass. goes into to, to more there. But yeah. um, no, the so, elements. So they believe that when they put the wafer in their mouth, that it literally becomes the body of well, the Lord. It's, and it's I will like, clarify, when we say they believe, the Roman Catholic Church believes yeah. Because I grew up right mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in some way, shape, and form, Roman Catholic um, participated at different levels when I was young, and I would, uh, I would, I would imagine maybe, you know, one out of ten people would actually understand that, that or yeah. understand yeah. because e- even even in that setting, they would be like, "Well, I don't really believe that." I mean, I know that's what they say, but it's a ritual, it's, yeah. right? Yes. And so th- there's a good and bad to that. Obviously, yeah. we we agree that it's a heretical view that Christ isn't isn't being re-sacrificed each time that the priest isn't able to call him down from from his mm-hmm. his throne and and give his body and blood yeah. in that way. But I think there is the the good aspect of it is that I think most people, if we're, if we're hoping for people mm. to be drawn out or have a true faith mm-hmm. um, in those, I think a lot of them don't actually believe what the church even teaches regarding that. Yeah, and I, I've never debated a Roman Catholic on this particular issue, but I would mm. assume that their argument would come from uh, when Jesus, after Jesus fed the 5,000 and he in John 6 and he says yeah. unless you eat my body and drink my blood yeah. you cannot be one of my disciples yeah. and of course in the context of what Jesus is saying there to these people who wanted a free lunch um, not <laughs> we just know that because they all went away when they realized there wasn't well, more food coming. exactly <laughs> and so what Jesus is calling them is to a belief to a yes. repentance to have me um, and so anyway so I think they take that literally in that sense when that's not at all what the lord uh was saying right no i've i've read 
uh, in uh, biblical theology that it fails it fails to recognize this the symbolism of it just as Jesus said I am the bread of life I am the door right. I am the resurrection of the life saying mm-hmm. this is my body take eat would be similar to those yes. statements yeah. mm-hmm. um, and what well, as well with the with the re-sacrifice that's uh, that's very serious because now you're saying well Christ's death on the cross was not sufficient. It was not enough. Right. Yeah. And it destroys yeah. the whole yeah. argument of Hebrews. Once for all. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the second position, um, which would be the Lutheran position, uh, Martin, well, Martin Luther's position. So Shane, could you... We should you, could really you... invite a Lutheran on for <laughs> this one. I mean, but just yeah. a quick definition. So, without going to the ins and outs of it, let's just give a brief statement. Consubstantiation. Uh, it was a departure. Uh, so... The, the Reformation was really departing in many ways from, from Rome. And so it was a departure. Christ is not actually physically becoming these elements. Yeah. Or the elements, I guess, are not physically becoming Christ. I don't know what order they think that happens. Uh, so he they changed the views. But because he grew up in, with certain understandings of faith, I think, you know, didn't go very far and basically said that Christ is in and around right. the elements. Right. Uh, he doesn't become these elements, right. but he is physically in and around Physically them. is the key word there, but not, but not the elements. But not the elements. Right. Right. So there was a yeah. physical presence, mm-hmm. um, but not a physical transformation. Exactly, right. Um, and then Calvin's position would be that Christ was spiritually present in the elements. Yes. Um, so not not become the elements or not physically with him, but there is a spiritual presence of Christ. And as, as the church feeds on the elements, um, they are partaking of Christ in a spiritual way. They're, they're nur- you know, nourishing themselves with his presence. Um, and then Zwingli had the other perspective. And Micah? That, right, the remembrance of the memorial view that we're... That where Jesus is not spiritually present per se, even though he is, of course, the Holy Spirit is with us, yeah. right? Uh, and he and the Lord promises to be with us as well. But that we're just to look at it as purely uh, to remember and to meditate on mm-hmm. um, and to, mm-hmm. the significance of it. Right. So. so though, just briefly, in case you did not know that, that's kind of like a broad overview uh, or narrow, whatever, overview of, a quick overview of, of the different views on that historically. So let's just get down to a practical level. How often should a church partake of the Lord's Supper? What does the Bible say? <laughs> as often as you do it. As often as you do it. Okay. Well, the early church in Acts 2 met every day. <laughs> right? So some people think every week is too often. Um, well, the early church met every day. Um the answer is that there is no prescribed uh, frequency right. that the, you know, it doesn't say every Lord's Day, but, you know, uh, it doesn't say once a month or once a, once a quarter or whatever. There's churches that do it all a variety of different ways. Yep. Uh, I think uh, the more often, yes. the better. Yes. Um, with a minimum being at least monthly, I would think, is, is, is good. Um, I, but I, ch- some churches do it every week, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, absolutely nothing wrong with that um, at all. So you guys have any? No, I'm in complete agreement. I think, I think we, <laughs> I would always err on the side of too. I don't think too often, but I, more uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper than mm-hmm. than than rarer and rarer. So yeah, I think the the the, the least I've ever seen it observed is I was. In college, I was an intern at a 
church in Pensacola, and they observe the Lord's Supper once a year. Wow. What was once it, Easter? Or I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I don't. It was, once a year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Easter time, but I can't remember exactly the time. It was once a year. I was shocked by that. Um, I, I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church that did it monthly, mm-hmm. you know. So, but anyway, so there's no right or wrong answer there. It's more, there's a more right than, than, <laughs> than less right. Uh, but, don't do that yearly thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, like Shane says, uh, probably more on the more often side than yeah. not. I would always um, on that side. I think a, a monthly is a, it, and more is better. So. Yeah. Well, what about uh, the substance of our bread and cup? Oh, yeah. So, what should our bread be? And what should be in the cup? I, think, <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. because we know, obviously, that Christ's uh, Last Supper was going to be the Passover. Well, I'll just, I'll just tell you. Unleavened bread yeah, and I, wine. I'll just tell you what we do at Northwest Baptist Church. We, uh, we buy matzah bread, which is unleavened bread. It's yep. like big crack, you know, with the big crackers. Um, and so, we, we, we break up one. Or two, however many we need. I don't even know how the deacons prepare that. So, um, and then of course we use grape juice. So we don't use real wine. So we use uh, grape juice. So that's that's what we do there. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys do at Shoreline? Very similar. Now, of course, the virus and COVID kind of affected that a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. To I think our detriment. <laughs> but um, we have been we've been using. Um, prepackaged items for a while now, mm-hmm. but I'm happy to say that we're going to be moving back to what you are doing. We just went back, okay. so yeah. we were doing during COVID the prepackaged cups, and yes. last month for the first time, uh, I was talking to our deacons. I said, "Why are we still doing this?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we went back to uh, last month, and and it was, it was so well received by the congregation they were so excited to go back to our old way Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's what we do and there's some churches that use wine that's fine i mean that's what jesus used (laughs) um i mean i'm not gonna argue there i mean uh, baptists traditionally have used grape juice at least uh baptist since since, uh mr welch uh and actually that's the story behind it he actually made the came the grape juice came from his conviction of being to abstaining from alcohol so he wanted the temperance the temperance yeah all that stuff so 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 that's kind of a rabbit hole that could uh get dicey but i think you know grape juice is um unfermented wine (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's still the same element there there we go yeah wine's good too yeah <laughs> well i mean if we look at uh, if we consider other countries as well though, yeah um and so we have to we have to i think always go back to we don't we don't get caught up in oh man do we have it exactly as oh, jesus right. did because we're not going to make that standard we're not going to nope. meet that standard right um and so but but we do get caught up into it a little bit and there's tradition involved yeah. and views involved but mm-hmm. i always you know serving overseas uh we did for uh, several years, uh, you know, we, we've been in different countries and there's several countries around the world that just generally do not eat bread. They don't, they don't use bread. There would be, it's rice, you know, yeah. and so they would not necessarily use uh, bread in their mm. time of communion. So they use rice mm-hmm. for mm. communion? Interesting. Like grains or did you get a little Well, ball? they would, so you can get sticky rice, oh. uh, which is, which is, yeah, it's like a little ball kind of. And, but there's, 
I've heard of other things as well. So I the the point is is that I think there's freedom there mm-hmm. uh, a little bit in the, yeah. in the actual I think some I think some people could be a little flippant with it. For example, you, you know, well let's have chocolate chip cookies and seven up. <laughs> Right. I have heard no. that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a fan of no, that. No, I agree. I think you should be yes. you should aim to be as close as you can <laughs> with what's um, available and with and, the yeah, if you, resources anyway. that you have. Um, okay, so we said that baptism was kind of like entrance into the local church. Mm-hmm. Would you agree that the Lord's Supper is kind of the ongoing reminder that you are a part of the church, mm-hmm. that you are. Um, a reminder of your faith in Christ and your belonging to these people and your union with them. So baptism is the entrance, uh, one-time event. Lord's Supper is the ongoing reminder of the gospel to God's people. Would, would you agree with that? A hundred percent, yes. As we, and that's what, you know, Paul indicts the Corinthian church there because they were forsaking the corporate aspect yes. of it and we already talked about it but they're thinking of themselves right yeah, so that's right. a big part of it so it's a yeah. church event mm-hmm. right it's a yeah. church event yeah, yeah there's a church event yeah, yeah and then probably covid yeah. had some whole new <laughs> we and yeah. we actually talked about this i think on a previous episode of covid uh, <laughs> during covid we had talked about this as a previous episode of the gospel forum i think um that about you know can we do virtual communion right you know can people just do it at home right. over the screen tv screen and we argue that no, it, it is a corporate event for the church. You know, you just can't do it on just your own. Just like you wouldn't do a virtual baptism, and <laughs> people have done it. Well, I have seen I don't it mean done. Can't I've seen videos of it done? I um, guess. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway. Um, well, I think it's not just that weekly or monthly or whatever it is reminder, but it's also this real way. I mean. I, You'll hear it sometimes, and you can read about uh, the ordinances or the sacraments being a means of grace. Yep. And so where God is actually providing us, it's a means. These things are an outlet or an avenue or a conduit of us receiving grace. And uh, I'm going to share because every time I read this, I get emotional. I won't do it this time, though. But this is from the Heidelberg Catechism talking about uh, communion. And it's basically saying, what is actually happening? What, what should I be remembering uh, when I take this uh, bread and cup? And uh, the Heidelberg Catechism says it like this. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. And second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread, and the cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body mm. and shed blood. So we're not just remembering what he's done, but we're actually being nourished. Our souls are being refreshed so that we can go out for another week and we can live the Christian life knowing that we have all the sustenance we need from Christ himself, that he mm. promises to be with us. He promises to feed mm. us. He promises to give us our daily bread mm. amidst all of our struggles Amen. and our sins and our frailty and our yeah. weakness, that each day, just like the manna from heaven, that each day we will have enough. That's right. And it might not be easy and it might not be an overflow, but Christ will be there mm-hmm. to nourish us enough for each day uh, of yeah. our Christian life. And, yeah. and, and those realities carry on in the Christian life. You know, the Passover lamb that they ate 
uh, was to sustain them as they left yeah. on their wilderness journey. But then there came a point. There came a point in their journey where the lamb, you know, uh, God gave them manna. Yeah. And then, and so in the in the local church, we have the word. You know what I mean? Yes. We have God's word as our manna from heaven. We also have, um, you know, the the Lord's Supper, the the Passover lamb to sustain us on our Christian walk and journey. So excellent. So practical. Let's get practical in the life of the local church here. Um, the reformers also came up with fencing the table, uh, this expression, which meant uh, making sure, just like we want to make sure that only believers are being baptized, they wanted to ensure that only uh, believers were partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and not only that, but also giving the warnings of, of yeah. that Paul gives there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's really three different views of this. The first one is called open communion. And that's where a church practices that anyone and everyone can participate who is present. And there's really no warnings if you're a believer or not. They just pass it out without any warning whatsoever. I find that really, really dangerous and 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 uh, not biblical. Uh, the other two views we're going to say are biblical. Uh, this one, open communion, I cannot justify biblically that you're allowing or even encouraging believer, unbelievers to participate. Uh, the second view would be close communion, which is uh, those uh, that the the admonishment is given that those who are uh, saved and baptized um, can partake. Or if there's a guest or a visitor from another church that's of like mind faith, and they're also saved and baptized, they can participate together there. Um, some people would say, well, why baptism? Why not just faith? Right. Well, again, going back to the baptism, Baptism ensures that, that that person's faith has been uh, checked out by somebody, an elder or, or someone from the church. The church has affirmed them in their testimony um, that, they, that they are a Christian. Right. And then the last few would be the most restrictive in fencing the table, which is closed communion, which is only uh, covenant members of that local church can participate. And usually this is done not in a public service but in a members only meeting or i've seen it you know it could be done either way but some churches only do it in a members only meeting not necessarily doing the during the church service although i know some do um so anyway those are the three views open close and closed what do you guys think about those i actually haven't i don't think i've been at a church where they practice closed communion me neither um mm -hmm. it's it's always been close mm -hmm. um, and that's what we try and instill here at our church as well we give the warnings and we say very clearly this is only for believers uh and so that's that's what i would encourage yeah but why why even give the warnings like why should a pastor why should the elders of a church care about fencing the table mm -hmm. like, what, what do you think well, that goes back to this. We talked about the seriousness of this and the reverence that comes before it. Um, and to uh, kind of, without care, um, just open it to anybody who walks in the door again is you are, uh, you're, you're inviting an unbeliever who is in no way of, uh, should participate because he's not part of the body of Christ. Uh, and and then there's the warnings as well that we see here in First Corinthians. You're eating you know? and drinking judgment That's to right. yourself. Whoa! So there's a reason out of love. Well, yeah. and right as ministers of the gospel, yeah. people in charge of rightly dividing God's word and caring for the souls of mm -hmm. the people that are in their presence. I mean, how much? 
I mean, in a way, do you not care about someone mm. to put their soul under judgment by right. not simply saying, yeah. this is this is what this ordinance is for. This event is for these people. That's right. Um, and so I yeah. think there is a real... Uh, and, and does it make... Does it make you look bad as a minister of the gospel to some people? Sure, like, wow, how exclusive. Why can't I join in this event? Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're ultimately standing before Christ as to mm-hmm. how we uh, led his, his mm-hmm. people and his church and not, not the opinions mm-hmm. of, of yeah, men. Yeah, absolutely. And I think where feelings get hurt here is because some people think that the Lord's Supper is a right that they... Are given in the Christian life like this is mm. my right mm. to participate actually no it's not mm. it's a it's a blessing it's a yeah. privilege to to partake of this meal with this church family yeah. um, because we we are affirming you in your faith and your testimony that you are a believer so participate with us it's not a right it's a privilege to participate in um, the other area of fencing the table I think would apply to church discipline and so those members who are under church discipline, meaning that they are, they have been uh, excommunicated by that local church because of unrepentant sin, um, and you know they've gone through Matthew 18, and the church has voted to uh, basically say, you profess Christ, but you're not, your life is saying different because you refuse to repent of the sin that we're calling you out of love. We're not going to recognize that you're a Christian anymore. And we're going to pray for your restoration and repentance. Um, fencing the table would also bar a person under church discipline from participating in the Lord's Supper. Again, if they're not a Christian, then they shouldn't participate. Uh, so church discipline was also a major part of the Reformers fencing the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Anything else on this topic? I know we could spend hours and years talking about communion. Um Anything we missed or anything that maybe that wasn't clear that we should wrap up before we close? I, I, I like this definition here from, uh, I mentioned before, Biblical Theology by John MacArthur uh, and just how the different aspects of it. Uh, he says, this uh, is a memorial celebration that strengthens believers in their walk with Christ because of a couple reasons. Because, one, it commemorates Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice, symbolized by the elements of the bread and the cup. Number two, it reminds believers of the historical truths of the gospel, including Christ's incarnation, death, resurrection, and ascension. Number three, prompts believers to repent of any known sin, causes them to rejoice. We talked about rejoicing. Rejoice in their redemption from sin and in their saving union with Christ. Mm. It motivates them to continue walking and loving obedience to the Lord. And finally, reminds them to hope in His imminent return. Amen. Which is how often we should do it, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. as often as you eat this, uh, eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember, you remember the Lord's death until He comes. So, it, again, I think you mentioned that it's hopeful. It's looking forward to Christ returning and uh, being uh, with his people. Pick your head up, look around, and then look up because that's that's where our hope lies. Yeah, baptism and the Lord's Supper, two of the greatest blessings God has given his church to to know the word, uh, celebrate the word, see the word, and remember Christ and the gospel. So praise God. Good. All right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of the Gospel Forum Podcast. And until next time, keep Keep on on reforming. reforming.